You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. You're one of my favorite interviewers. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah, right. and that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> Zach, that is really funny. From the latest news on The Real Housewives, deep dives into celebrity legal scandals, and unfiltered combos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. All right, welcome on in, everybody. You are in for a real treat today. We have so much that's been going on in the reality TV world, but I feel like today we're hopefully going to maybe get a little more clarity, get a little more insight. I feel like I needed somebody that's that's a lot more intuitive than myself and maybe a little more intuitive than some of us with our theories on the Twitter. So he's known as the Housewives Empath. He's the host of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. Please welcome Mr. Jamie Stein. Hi, Zach. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to chat with you. This is long overdue. I feel like, um, you know, you're going to have some really good takes on Housewives and on just like all of the the tabloids that we've been keeping up with. I want a little more deeper insight more than like the superficial conversations that we're all texting about on the group thread. (laughs) Fair enough. I hope I can deliver. Well, I was listening to your episode on Kyle and Mauricio, which I found to be super insightful. What is your read on them? I know Erica Jane has recently come out and she was saying that they're not actually split and that they're trying to work things out. What is your read on Kyle and Mauricio's situation right now? Are they together or do you believe that maybe they're taking a little space? I, to me, if I mean, look, going off very limited information, because all the information I have is the same information you have. I don't know these people personally, but no, based on based on what I've gathered from the show and from my own intuitive threads, I tend to believe what they're saying, which is that they're at an impasse in their relationship. They're questioning things. They're sorting things out. I, I've always felt that they do love each other and that there's a baseline of love there. I still feel that for them. So I, I, I trust and believe the story that they are perhaps separated. They're exploring what that might look like, but nothing's definitive. And they're perhaps seeing where things are going to go. What's your take on Kyle right now? I feel like she's going through some sort of identity crisis. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you know, I talked about this on my podcast. I I think that Kyle, I think that she's in a time of a lot of change. You know, I mean, you know, number one, kids leaving the house. You know, I think Portia's soon gone. So she's someone who's really defined herself as a mother and a wife, a wife and a mom. Family, very important to her. Having a full house of kids, very important to her. Suddenly there's an empty house, you know, so that right there is a huge shift. Um, I also think personally, the housewives, I mean, look, I know it's still going strong. I know Beverly Hills is doing well in the ratings, but there is this sense, I think, of the writing being on the wall. And I think especially for her, she's been on the show for, you know, since the first season, right? She's just filmed her 13th season. I have to imagine slash I have personally sensed, especially in the last season or two, kind of this part of Kyle that... Yeah, maybe wonders, questions how much longer she has in her. It's felt very much like she's been doing her job the last few seasons, where if you think about her earlier in the show, I felt like 
her heart was really in it. You know, her sister was on the show with her. Uh, like her, her emotions really felt on the line in the early years. Whereas in the last few years to me, it's felt much more like she's been playing the role of producer. And so for me, I kind of always wonder like, where is she in relationship to the show? Is she kind of feeling the home stretch? So that's another potential change. Um, and then, you know, as a lot of other people have pointed out too, she's gotten sober in the last year. Um, so that's also another huge thing. Now, whether that was prompted by a deeper level of introspection in her or whether the sobriety came first and perhaps prompted the deeper level of introspection, I don't know. But there are these threads, I think, that are showing up in her life that I think, you know, to me, it would make sense why she'd be looking around questioning things when a lot of the stuff that she's put her value in, you know, her being a mom, being a real housewife, that kind of pop culture success, being a thing. She said this on Instagram, like, I'm a year sober. I've realized I'm still fun. So there may have been a part of her that felt like, yeah, I drink. I have fun. I'm a party girl. It just feels like a lot of the things that she's maybe been really invested in for a sense of identity and a sense of self have come to a head where maybe now she's looking around and saying, oh, wait, <laughs> these things I've defined myself by, maybe they weren't filling me up in the way I thought they would fill me up or they're coming to an end. And now I really have to take stock of where I am in life and what's actually important to me. And what about Mauricio? Do you feel like he's going through that same sort of identity crisis? Or do you think my read is that she's going through this identity crisis, but he's kind of fully distracted on work and on the agency. And I don't even think he saw this side of Kyle coming. I think he was like, life's perfect. Life's great. The kids are growing up. Business is booming. Beautiful wife. She's doing well. She's successful. And now he's like, whoa, wait a minute. What's going on? When did you change on me? Yeah, I agree. Like that that's my guess. That's that would that would be my intuitive hunch. I think Mauricio left to his own devices probably would have been very comfortable going on automatic pilot for a while and I think when you ask that question, yeah, what immediately comes to me is Kyle's kind of forcing him, you know, to to reevaluate now. I and I don't even know to what degree he's doing it. You know, I think Kyle's really interesting because she's someone who you know, it's interesting to me that of the three sisters between her, Kim and Kathy, Kyle always feels like the one who's trying to get something to come to the surface, sometimes passive aggressively, you know, so she is the one who will snap and say, Kim, you're an alcoholic. Now everyone knows she's the one who will create the TV show based on their life. I always feel in Kyle, there's this part of her, even though she, I think, tipped does keep things repressed and she toes the line and she stays in these codependent dynamics with people. I've always felt there's a part of her that also wants the truth to come out and wants to have deeper relationships with people. So I, to me, it kind of makes sense in a way that Kyle would be the one in the marriage now to be taking stock, to be pumping the brakes and to be saying, no, wait a second, we got to kind of take a look at what's going on here. And then, yeah, Mauricio kind of <laughs> has to catch up and 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 sort of navigate how far he's willing to go. I feel like that's why she didn't really defend Kathy when Rinna was coming out about the Aspen stuff is because she's like, you're right, she does kind of want the truth to come out. And I think she kind of, as much as she wanted to protect her relationship with her sister, she was probably like, Kathy is kind of this person. And that's where you see me in the finale where I said, I think Kathy really is a monster behind the scenes. Obviously, that was said with hyperbole, but... 
I just, you know, I feel like Kathy probably does have this other side of her. And that's probably why, very similarly to Kim at the, in the earlier seasons, when Kyle's like, Kim, I can't defend you when you behave like this. It's like she didn't want to defend Kathy because she knows that Kathy does have that side of her. Maybe she didn't witness it that night. But if Rena witnessed it, it probably wasn't so far out of character for what Kyle has experienced with Kathy in the past. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's never been a part of me that questioned whether or not that happened. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, I agree with Twitter you. Twitter will think... disagree with you, though. Twitter and Twitter t- tends to think they're right. Well, I think Twitter is pretty naive about <laughs> a really. And by the way, this is not even instead of judgment of Kathy. I mean, yeah. she is who she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But she's a wealthy, out of touch white woman. I mean, of course, of course. You know what I mean? Of course, this is who she is. But regardless, that aside. um, Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because I think with Kyle, I feel it two ways. I actually feel in Kyle. And by the way, I'm saying this as someone who I definitely do not consistently love Kyle over the years. And in fact, initially, (laughs) she was probably one of the most triggering housewives for me. Like in the early seasons when she was meaner, I think she softened a lot. And over the years, I have seen her have a capacity for self-reflection. And in getting to know her, I do feel her heart in a lot of places. So I'm always up and down about her. But what I will say about her is I do feel like with Kathy, for example, in last season, I feel in, like I think fundamentally Kyle wants to be in deep loving relationship with the people in her life. And I can feel the part of Kyle that if Kathy would just come out and say, I mean, whether in private or in public, just come out and say, you know what, Kyle? Yes, I did this. Yes, there's a part of me that like hates you or hated you. This is where it comes from. I feel like Kyle would be willing to be in the trenches of relationship mm-hmm. with her sisters or whomever for the sake of like greater healing and getting into deeper connection. And that's where I feel there's a part of her that's like, can't we just address the truth, right? Um, And I also feel like over the years, she's taken a lot of shit too. And she also knows there's no room for that kind of truth telling in their family system because it feels clear, you know, Big Kathy created a system in this family where it's like, we do not talk about shit. And I think Kathy and Kim really abide by that. And I think in that place, Kyle has taken a lot on. We saw it last season, like Kathy managed to blame her for the whole situation. So I think Kyle's torn because I think there's a part of her that wants the truth out one for vindication, like that little like sister in her. That's like, it's not fair. And I want this to be seen and heard, but I do want to say, I think underneath that she does actually have a desire for genuine connection. And I think that's what kills her is that she knows if she gets really clear about what's been going on in these relationships and she really starts to draw firm boundaries, you know, I think her sisters would totally, you know, cut her off. And I think it's like devastating for her. So I think Parker wants this out in public because it's almost like his voice. It's like, if we can just get this out there, it'll force them to deal with the truth. And then maybe we can actually have like a healthy family system. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's hard because you have seen Kathy cut her off in the past and Kathy can be so cold that I think she just wants to keep the peace. But she also, I agree, very much wants the truth to be out there. And that's why it's so weird. The whole housewives fandom is because it becomes like this, like, like we lose touch with reality because we like pick teams. Right. And it's like, either you're for this person or you're against this person. And it's like, you can't, 
you can't say, hey, maybe Kathy really is this way. Because I've kind of felt like that. Like, she is out of touch. She is very uber wealthy. That it's like, I can see that that's, that that's not a far stretch if she does behave that way. And that she's always had people to protect her. Now, me saying that, people are like, oh, well, you're just a, a blind Rinna stan. And Rinna's evil. And Rinna just wants to take down Kathy. And I'm like, guys, it's not like, I don't know. People treat it so much like a football team. And you're either on my team or, you know, I'm going to beat you up in the in the parking lot. Well, let me bring in this point of view. Mm. I was 100% disturbed by the way that Rinna weaponized what happened. I mm. thought what Rinna did was dark. Uh, it really disturbed me. And I 100% believe her that it happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, to and your you point. Can, and that's are... the thing. You can be in the middle and see both sides of it. But it's like you can't really articulate one or the other without one side of the fandom, like, ripping you apart for that. It's like you can't be somewhere in the middle in this housewives world. Especially with Beverly Hills, yeah. I find the fandom gets very polarized, which is very interesting to me. But yeah, that's not how life works. I mean, we don't live in a world of bad guys and good guys. We're human beings. It's complex. We're co-creating our relationships. And there's tons of history behind every single one of these relationships because everyone's just coming from their own perspective, you know? So, you know. Their loss, Zach. Yes, I agree. But do you think that there's an opportunity for Kyle and Mauricio to come back together? Or do you think at this point it may be best for them to kind of just part ways and find themselves now? I mean, it's I mean, it's a tough question. I mean, again, I do not know these people at all, but if I just kind of follow my hunch based on what I'm feeling in this moment, look, this is what I think it's hard. This is what I'm concerned for. So this is what I feel very supportive of whatever Kyle's doing right now. It does feel like there's some level of, yes, introspection, slowing down, taking stock. Sobriety in and of itself, I think, is amazing. So good for her. Where I get concerned is that, and I don't exactly know what's going on with this, but for someone who seems to have a relationship with codependent relationships, it seems she's in some other sort of deeply intense emotional affair slash whatever that is with this woman. Uh, So that's a little bit concerning. Like, is she really doing the deep inner work? And then there's also this question too of like we were saying, to what degree is Mauricio capable of meeting her here? So it really feels to me like this is an instance where I feel like, I think in an ideal world, maybe there would be a separation where they're both single, Mm -hmm. they're both doing their inner work, they're both getting really clear on their relationship to themselves, and then from there seeing if they can meet back in the middle, because I do think that there's love between, I think that's part of why it's been upsetting for people. It's like, you can feel it. There's love there. Um, So it's just kind of a question of whether once they really find out the deeper truth of who they are, what they want, what they need in relationship, can they be that for each other? And I don't think they'll know that until there's a little bit more space. Yeah. I I agree. I think they need to, this is like a forced awakening for them, right? Not just in their relationship, but I think individually. Kyle's going through this awakening herself, which is now forcing Mauricio to kind of look inward. Now we see him going to the gym and posting his thirst traps because he's now being like, holy shit, do I keep my wife? Like, what do I do? I didn't realize that, that she was even one foot out the door. And I also am a little concerned with her relationship with Morgan. Do I think that they're scissoring on the weekends? No, but I do think that there is a deep level of emotional connection there. And my concern is, 
I think oftentimes people will do this where they invest in somebody else emotionally and then they unlock Pandora's box and they tap into their emotions and they don't realize that they're playing with somebody else's emotions because they're trying to deal with their own emotions, but they like the comfort of getting the attention that they're getting from somebody else. And I think maybe that's possibly what's going on with Kyle and Morgan is she's using Morgan as a vehicle to get the validation and the attention and the emotional needs that she is not getting from Mauricio. Well, and it's also interesting because as you speak, what comes to me, and again, I obviously, I don't know what's going on in that relationship. I don't know what Kyle's relationship is to her sexuality, if there is an attraction to women, if there's not. But let's just assume she's mostly heterosexual. It, it, what I also pick up on is the possibility of, you know, to your point, getting maybe a deeper level of emotional needs met, but in this way that maybe has like a built-in buffer or safety because it's yeah. not going to be a full-on yeah. intimate committed love affair because it's a woman. So it's sort of like she's almost pivoted if if we, you know, what I was talking about in my podcast for your listeners uh, information is I was sort of talking about how I felt Mauricio may have worked for her because I experience him as like emotionally shut down so she can kind of get the hot husband who supports her but like there's kind of a comfort almost in the emotional shallowness yeah. now she's reached a point where she's like wait actually that doesn't work for me anymore i want emotional connection let me go over to this woman who maybe isn't going to meet me fully sexually intimately in all those ways but i'm getting the emotional needs met and it's like well what's going on here kyle is there a way in which there's a part of you that's pulling back from like the full integrated connection of someone who can meet you, you know, who can check all the boxes basically. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. And I loved how in your, your podcast episode on Kyle and Mauricio, you talk about, you related back to big Kathy and we've read house of Hilton, the, the book about the girls growing up and their mother, big Kathy and how she very much raised them to be about the optics and the image. And as long as everything looks good and you have all the metrics hit, you're good and you're supposed to be happy and fulfilled. Right. And I think Kyle's at the place where she's like, I had everything. I did everything that I was supposed to do. And it's not really fulfilling me in the way that I thought that it was supposed to. And I also think being on reality television forces you to kind of see yourself. It's that figurative mirror that we all talk about. But when you're filmed and your life gets put out there in that way, that becomes a an actual mirror. And one thing that I think you you made an interesting point of as well is that we never really see Kyle and Mauricio's issues or see them working through anything. And at first I was like, you're right. And I think initially to a blind eye, that may seem like, oh, well, maybe they're hiding their issues. But to your point, I think it really does look like not that they're hiding or masking their issues, but that they don't go deep enough to actually have those types of issues because it really just is all image. Yeah, it feels that way. You know, people on my Instagram brought up an interesting point where they were like, well, we also haven't seen that, for example, between Lisa and Ken, which is true. But there's a way for me in which Lisa and Ken over the years, like you just feel them as partners in like in business and mm -hmm. work, like every step of the way, like Lisa and Ken feel like this united front. For me personally, I don't ever quite experience Mauricio and Kyle quite in that same way. And actually going back to your point about like, where is Mauricio at? It's like, you know, it feels almost like he's just getting started with, you know, like the agency is taken off. Now he has his own show, you know, like he's really on his own treadmill of like achieving, 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 achieving. 
Um, so yeah, it does kind of feel like almost like they're, I don't know if I want to say two ships passing in a night, but it's like, they've got their sort of separate tracks where they were both achieving a lot for themselves sort of separately and then kind of supporting, like you're saying, the, the, the sort of the optics of what they're co-creating together and what they're creating separately works for the shared picture, but it also has felt separate. And then, yeah, it feels like Kyle has reached a point where she's ready to slow the train down. Whereas Mauricio's train is kind of just picking up steam. Yeah. I'm curious. Did you see Erica Jane meeting with the victims over the weekend? I did. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what were your thoughts on that? I was, it made me really happy. I mean, look, you know, this isn't a popular, well, I don't know what your audience is like. Typically this isn't a popular opinion. I, I always have this strange soft spot for Erica. Um, I, I understand why people get frustrated with her. I understand how it looks a lot of times. I get her pride. I feel like is her own worst enemy. She is one stubborn woman. I feel the <laughs> you in her, which even as I say that's part of my soft spot for her. I kind of like the defiant contrarian in me kind of likes the part of her that says fuck you. Um, but sort of to get back to your point, you know, I the part of the reason I have a soft spot for her is I've always felt underneath. I always feel her vulnerability. I always feel her humanity. And I think in I've always felt the part of her too that feels misunderstood. And I've always felt like that's the part of her that fuels that like sort of rageful voice. That's like, oh, you want me to act like this? Well, fuck you. I'm not going to, which then just keeps her stuck in that cycle of being misunderstood. So I've always had this strange soft spot for her. So I think to see her um, having that moment and from what I've like seen online, the victims, I think, have spoken up and said, look, she apologized. It felt heartfelt. It changed the way I saw her. You know, I'm going to trust that. And to me, it just felt good to to see that this other aspect of Erica, like I said, that I've sensed in her has had a chance to live. And, you know, yeah. So to me, it looked it looked whole and healthy and healing. As somebody that was there, I can say it was whole and healthy and healing for everyone because I see a lot of chatter online about people saying that this was an orchestrated publicity stunt. And I want to be very clear that the press was not invited to this event. Any of us that went went to support the launch of the ice cream, which was uh, Kimberly Archie's line. And she's come out and she's like said, like, this wasn't a PR event. This wasn't orchestrated in any way. It was always going to be happening regardless if Erica came or not. The LA Times was always going to be at this event because they're separate separately working on their own project with, um, you know, with Kimberly. Um, and so that all, the LA Times was really the only press that was there present for the event that was invited. And Erica agreed to even being on camera for, with the LA Times. That was kind of like a last minute decision. She really just wanted to come to the event to support and have an opportunity to have FaceTime with the victims that were going to be there. All of these things were already happening. And then it was like, Erica was a last minute addition and peace. And I think that it was a great opportunity to have some sort of face-to-face connection and healing um, for everyone. And everybody seemed to have left that day feeling some sort of maybe not full resolve and maybe not full, full closure, but like, okay, we can breathe and we can step, we can take a step forward and hopefully, you know, move forward in a more positive direction that can hold the people accountable, accountable. 
Yeah, I mean, look, this is sort of what's always been crazy to me about this when people sort of have rushed to judgment about her and what she's saying or not saying. You know, for me, I mean, and this to me. Okay, I did. They're fucking morons, okay, Jamie? Like, they're literally judgmental assholes that, like, have never been in a position like that and would probably shit their pants if they were ever in a position like that. And they're like, I wouldn't return the earrings. Fuck off. You've, like, not to justify her keeping the earrings or whatever, but it's just like nobody knows what it's like to be in that position until you're actually in this position. And that's where I will shout out. Sheree, Garcelle's friend, when Garcelle's like, she didn't want to give back the earrings. And Sheree's like, girl, you would just tell me you would give back the earrings? Like, come on, like, get in touch with reality. Not to say that it's what, I don't know what I would do in that position, but I'm just saying people are too quick to judge without putting themselves in somebody else's shoes and realizing the magnitude of the situation. Well, my whole thing was just like, guys, there's legality to this. Thank like, you. I, I mean, this was just like, this was, this feels, I mean, it, I almost never say this because I'm like, isn't this obvious? This should just be one-on-one. Like she is in the middle. Of, I don't know what's going on with it right now, but she's been in the middle of like a high profile, like criminal case with legal repercussions for her. I am sure there's due process. I am sure she's getting advised about what she can say and what she can't say. And so it's just this assumption that she should just be out there, like, you know, expressing this empathy and apologizing and returning hearing. It's like, I am sure there are things going on behind the scenes that she has to adhere to. Um, So that's just never made any sense to me. Um, Now, again, do I understand that she kind of set herself, you know, look, when she continues to post those photos on Instagram, which to (laughs) me, again, what I felt off that was just kind of like, oh, you want me to like bow down and play nice? Fuck you, I'm not going to. So like, I kind of got it, you know what I mean? But I also get, you know, look, I'm intuitive. Not everyone's going to be like feeling deeper layers of what's underneath it. I I get why people got incensed, but it it just was like, look, you guys, you can't, (laughs) there's due process here and there are legal repercussions and who the F knows what's going on behind the scenes. Like you've got to let this play out before you judge how she's handling it. Due process and discovery, right? Like that's a really big part of any criminal investigation, legal proceeding is the discovery. And that's why on camera you hear her say alleged victims because at that point, everybody and their grandma was coming out and saying that they were a victim and there needed to be discovery that determined who was a real victim and what does victim even mean? I think so many people were just like, and so many people that just didn't understand like the, the actual details of everything. I'm somebody that like sat down and went through all the court documents and would talk to lawyers and would have conversations with the victims on camera and off camera. There were hours and hours of conversations that I had with people that were not ever filmed or shared for the podcast or released anywhere that were just my my own discovery process of trying to understand and make sense of this as I would put together my notes and research for presenting, you know, all of the details about it on the podcast. So it's not like my information was just coming from nowhere, but like the discovery process, like that takes time and everything is alleged until you figure all of that out. And I think as the discovery has gone on, once more of these details start to come to light, I think people are really going to intelligent people, people that can put on their thinking cap and use their noggin will realize that maybe, you know, their treatment of Erica was a little intense and harsh without really realizing all the details. Now that all of the details are starting to come together, there will be new information that will come out that I think will I don't know if it'll shock people, but hopefully it'll give people a little more clarity on what was really going on. 
Well, and you also have to understand too, like, you know, I'm always looking at things, you know, because I come from a spiritual perspective of like pattern and someone's history and the patterns that they lived. And so for me, my sense of Erica, even before all this, like I said, is someone who feels misunderstood and someone who survived and a survivor, you know, and I think that was playing out just even in terms of (laughs) her marriage to Tom, like she's someone who managed as she's documented on the show. She started out, I forget if she was actually stripping or not, but she was working at that strip club. You know, she made her way up in the world. She's a survivor. She's someone who's been kind of given the middle finger to her haters all along. And so then something like this comes along that just rips the rug out from under her. I mean, I always felt like the real spiritual invitation for her in all of this was to actually kind of go towards the humiliation, go towards the powerlessness, go towards the humility. I think those are all the things she's been scared of in her life. But you got to understand she has that like fighter in her. I think, I suspect that learned some early lesson that's like, it's not safe for me to drop my guard. It's not safe for me to wield my secret sensitivity. Like I've got to have my guard up. So suddenly she's in this larger in life situation where at least to some degree, she was betrayed by her husband. The entire world is pointing fingers at her. And, you know, of course it's going to kick in. Like what I was saying, that defiant part of her, that's like, oh shit, you think like, you think you're going to get me down? F off. You think yeah. I should be saying this? F off. Again, do I think that ultimately served her in the long run in terms of public perception? No, but I get, I get it. I get where she was coming from in terms of a woman who feels like she has to fight to survive and that she's always sort of bracing against being misunderstood. This just felt like a larger than life version of something that I imagine she's been dealing with her entire life. Yeah, I agree. Um, But listen, I hope that whatever happened over the weekend, that conversation can be a step in the right direction. I think it will be. Again, I think more details will come out. I think more people will get more context and a lot of stuff. And I think that that will actually bring, hopefully, some closure, not necessarily for the victims, because, you know, trauma is something that's, you know, evolutionary and it takes time for people to move through that, should they be willing to. Um, But I also feel like, there will be closure to that whole situation. It may take a while for everyone to get locked up, you know, for Tom Girardi to go, to be put behind bars, even if that, if that even happens. Um, but at least for now, it seems to be moving in a positive direction and it's a good first step for everyone. Well, I keep wondering if they can sue the state bar. Like that's who I always feel like they should. Be I've suing. asked that question. And I've talked to lawyers about that. I mean, they kind they can, but there are certain parameters put in place. And even if they do sue the state bar, there's like a certain limitation that they're allowed to even get entitled to, like uh, like compensation wise. Like if they were to sue, they can't sue for like twenty million dollars. I think it's like in the hundreds of thousands that okay. the state bars even legally allowed to issue out with when they get sued per year. So it's not. I mean, it, the effort into that, I don't know if the, the return would be worth it. The last thing I'll say about this, too, is like, I, you know, you brought up what, you know, the, the exchange between Sheree and Garcelle last season. Like, I kind of understood, you know, I mean, brings back to Kyle, you know, when people were on her case in wherever that they were in Aspen, right? Or, yeah, that's where they were, uh, you know, about like, oh, you should be doing this, you know, or like, yeah, and Kyle saying, I want to defend you, but I can't like. Again, I mean, Erica took it so far, but I understood the part of her that was saying, like, you want me to, like, 
they want her to say a certain thing because of how it looks. Yeah. You can't convince me that they were in that moment, you know, having a nuanced conversation about the reality of the situation and trying to understand like what was going on. Like I, to me, that just felt like a moment where people were aware of what this was going to look like on the show. They were aware of what this was going to look like in public. And they were kind of like positioning themselves in relationship to the optics. So for me, you know, everyone was so outraged at Erica and what she was saying. There was this part of me that was like, I get it. Like I kind of respected the part of her that was just like, you know what? I'm fucking angry. And I'm not going to say what you want me to say. Because it's, it because it wasn't coming from a genuine place. They wanted her to say it for the optics and for their own reputation, right? Like, it's like, right. I can't stand by you if you don't say this certain thing. Because if you don't say this certain thing, you're going to look bad. And my association to you is also going to look bad. And I don't want right. to look bad, you know? Right. And because here's the thing. They all have enough. Who are the two biggest... I mean, aside from Garcelle, the ones that were the most critical of her had the most money. Sutton, Crystal, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Who actually did something about it? Diana Jenkins. She put $100,000 into a trust fund, opened up a, a donation fund for other people to be able to donate. It's like, if you care that much, Crystal Minkoff, where are your fucking earrings? If you care that much, Kyle Richards, why isn't the agency throwing a fundraiser that you think Erica should be throwing? Like, it was just like so much of like... If you guys care so much, then why aren't you doing anything? And it's like, because they didn't know what to do or they couldn't do anything. It's like, okay, great. Now imagine being the one that's being sued. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many layers to it. And I think this is actually a great kind of point of illustration because where, like, you know, and I'm not saying she should have done this in the moment because right, right, right. it's such a larger than life situation. But right, right, right. You know, Erica unintentionally does herself a disservice when she gets triggered and reacts. And if she could have just sat there and kind of expressed in a way what we're expressing right now of like, look, I don't trust your intentions. I don't feel like you guys have any yeah deeper intention to really understand where I'm coming from. This feels like it's about optics. I feel like then maybe there would have been more understanding from public perception. But I think that, like I said, Erica is just so quick to you know, she's just got that fighter in her. And especially yeah. in this larger than life situation where there's so much on the line, she's just like, fuck you. And then it just keeps the whole cycle of being misunderstood going. Yeah. Where I will fight back on you on that is I think if she did come at it from that approach, their reaction would have felt judged. And they would have been like, what, you don't think I care about the victims? Like, you know, because they are on this self-righteous high horse, right? They are on this moral superiority. You know, if I were you, I would have given up the earrings. When it's like, bull- like, yeah, I would like to think that if I were in that position, I would have given up the earrings as well. But it's like, I'm not in that position that I couldn't even imagine what I would do given the scrutiny and the outrage and the cameras on me. Like, none of us know what we would have done. You know, as good as pe- as good of people as we want to believe that we are, yeah, of course, when we're not in that position and we're in a confessional, we're like, yeah, of course, you should give back the earrings. But it's like, what would you really do in that situation? You don't know because you're not in that situation, nor do you even feel the betrayal and deceit from somebody that you love for what they're married for 20 years. Like, come on, like, there are so many layers to this. Well, Beverly Hills is a tough group. You know, this is a group that really goes in. It goes in hard. They don't tend to like to listen. And, um, you know, you see this with different, you know, it kind of moves around. But like you see, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get off track. But like, you know, I, I still think about what happened to Crystal last season. I just, the like, there's a way in which they just attack. Yeah. And it's, 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 it can be very hard for me to, to, to watch sometimes. Like they, it's hard for the group to tolerate a voice that comes in that maybe has a different perspective, 
or is maybe trying to slow the narrative down and say, hey, look, wait, there's something else going on here, you know, and it kind of, the group will pounce on that, especially Kyle. Kyle gets very uncomfortable with things that go against a certain narrative. Like she will shut you down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Let's pivot to Vanderpump Rules. Raquel is supposed to be going back to filming this week. They're going on their trip to Lake Tahoe. She's expected to begin filming. Do you think that she's actually going to be moving forward with this? Or what is your read on Raquel? I, my, I, I, I mean, again, based on absolutely nothing, just kind of feeling it. I think she, I think she's drawn to it. I think she wants to. Um, I look. Here's the thing. Raquel's got a fighter in her. I mean, she always did. Even when she was like soft-spoken Raquel, she had her points to make. You know what I mean? She got into it with Lala. Maybe she didn't do it like gracefully, but she's always had a fighter in her. Obviously, she's competitive. We know that now. <laughs> um, you know, so I think, you know, I think that glimpse that we really saw at the end of her coming clean about uh, the things that Sandoval was sort of coaching her. I think, I think, look, Raquel's not dumb. I know people like to think she is. I don't think she is. Um, I think that she know. I I just get the sense that she understands. There's there's a bigger picture at work here that I think she can see now. Mm-hmm. And I I have a feeling there's a part of her that wants to come back and and be able to say her piece and set some of the records straight. And you know if she hopefully has gained deeper insight into the way this all broke down and perhaps ways in which she was susceptible for falling in, which by the way, this is not to excuse the choices she made. She is responsible for those, of course. But yeah, I have a feeling Raquel's got some stuff to say and wants to say it and probably wants back in the mix to to say it. I think it's more than just wanting something to say. I think she's become enamored with the fame and I think she wants more money. And I think she's gotten kind of lost in all of that as well. But it'll be interesting to see what version of her we get after two months of intensive therapy. I mean, it's hard, you know, it's like, I do really have compassion for all these people because of, you know, part of me is like, of course she had, like, look, she was humiliated and shamed on a global level. Of course, there's a part of her that wants, so when I say like to have her say, it's like, of course, part of her wants to, I mean, I'm not saying she's going to get vindicated, but like, she wants that opportunity to be vindicated. And like, of course, part of her doesn't just want to walk away from the spotlight and from the TV show just with egg on her face, with everyone else getting the last word. You know what I mean? And of course, so, you know, I get it. Like if it were me, I mean, kind of going back to Erica, it's like if I were in this situation where I was disgraced and then let's say I did go on a journey that gave me illumination about what happened. And then I'm seeing like my coworkers sort of proceed forward with the show. I feel like there'd definitely be a part of me that's like, wait, I... I want back in there. I want to still be in the mix. I want my shot at seeing where this goes. I don't even think there's a part. I would 1000% come back. I would collect my big paycheck. I would do (laughs) what she's doing. I would fight for more money. I don't think I would do the whole, let me go into intensive therapy for two months and play, you know, play up the mental health card. Cause I think it's more about, again, I like to compare it to being in a toxic relationship. You don't leave a toxic relationship, go into intensive therapy and then go back to dating the guy again. The second you leave 
therapy. If it's a toxic environment then and you're focused on your mental health, then don't go back to the environment that sent you into therapy in the first place. So just fucking own it and say, I want the fame. I want to reclaim the narrative and I want the money because I deserve the money because I fuck Sandoval and I made this whole thing happen. You're welcome, Lala. You're welcome, Ariana. You're on Dancing with the Stars now because I stole your man. I mean, I would be thrilled if she came back <laughs> owning all that. I think it'd be so powerful. I will say, I mean, I agree with you. Like, yeah. look, I mean, there's a lot to say here because now, I mean, <laughs> I almost have to laugh when I see these articles saying, you know, brought, you know, as they're talking about the negotiations with Raquel and they're like, uh, you know, but her mental health is first and foremost. And I'm just sitting there like, give me an effing break. Yeah. Like talk about optics. And I'm yeah. like, if you really want to talk about, first of all, if you really want to talk about mental health, let's talk about this. You were able to create a situation where the three main players could have one-on-one sit-downs with Andy before the reunion. Why didn't you bring a therapist to start talking with the cast before the reunion so that this reunion wasn't just a huge clusterfuck of like disowned rage and aggression? But also, we're talking about Raquel. Can we talk about the mental health of almost everyone else on that cast? I mean, can we talk about Tom Sandoval's mental health? Can we talk about Tom Schwartz's mental health? I mean, the only two, like James Kennedy's mental health, like... You can't, it's just, it's, I I think I just get so um, incensed when it's like, it's the virtue signaling. Let's not pretend we're so, as Bravo, we're so concerned about Raquel's mental health. If we were really concerned about mental health, we'd be making a lot of different uh, um, decisions in the situation. But what I will say in terms of Raquel's mental health, while I do agree that probably going back into the fray is maybe not the best for it, the one exception I would say to this is I do really feel like it would be great for her to be able to individuate from her family. Mm. And so if this gives her the means, I mean, I don't know where she's at in her journey, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. If she, but if this gives her the means to be financially independent and to perhaps really individuate from her family, that actually could be great for her. So, you know, maybe there's two sides to the coin. Yeah, I agree. We'll see what it brings. I'm more and more looking forward to just seeing what happens before I was like, we don't need her now. I'm just like, I'm getting more and more curious just to see what she brings. Like, I want to I want to test the waters and see. I think she could be a great wild card because she's a free agent at this point. You know, it's like if she's sort of caught on to ways that Tom Sandoval lied to her. I, I just think she's a wild card. And I think also in the place where the group kind of there's a lot of group think. I think she could come in and disrupt things. I, I, people might think this is crazy. I could envision a world where Lala kind of decides to, I don't know, have compassion for Raquel, take her under her wing. I 1000% see that. The only one that can bring her back into the group is Lala. And they would band together about fuck these men because she had Randall that was terrible. And, and, and Raquel had Sandoval who was, you know, grooming her and they have a common enemy of like, you know, anti-men. I can see them throwing that whole situation together. And they know they have to look, this cast is savvy. They know they have to make it. So, you know, they'll, We'll see. I, but yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. Okay, Jamie, do you think you should you read me? Should we do a little inner inner work right now and let people workshop all of this? So they can see what they would be getting if they decide to book a reading with you. Um. Yeah, it's up to you. I'm I'm game if you are. I feel like I've always been so open and honest on this show. So even though I'm like super nervous about what could possibly come up. Um, you know, I can't host a show called hashtag no filter and expect other people's lives to be talked about and not be willing to do a little inner self-reflection like Raquel. 
myself. This is your two months in. Uh, this will uh, be yeah. This will be my two months of intensive therapy. We'll get a name change out of this. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So why don't? So what do you? What do you need from me to to read me? Well, I always like people to come with questions. So okay. yeah, if you have like a specific question you want to ask about your life or an area of your life, what you're creating, what you want to create. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm somebody that always likes to do like some inner work and some inner self-reflection. Um, but I know that sometimes maybe there are some subconscious blocks that we set up for ourselves. I think, mm-hmm. you know, my career's in a really good place. I would kind of like to see where that will continue to go. But I also nervously am, am, am a little curious about even my love life at the moment. Are there mm-hmm. any sort of blocks that you can kind of see that maybe I'm not fully aware of myself that maybe I can work on to, you know, move through those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With you, I get, I do get drawn to your love life for whatever reason. Okay, That's sort of where I get drawn. Um, <laughs> And then as I say that, you see like my jaws immediately tensing. Yeah, I start to tense up. Like there's, yeah, there's there's something in me here that kind of braces. Uh, so let me kind of just drop into this for a second. Like, uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, you see what I'm doing? It's like, yes, no, yes, no. It's like, I feel this part of you. It's like, I want it. I want it. Like I want the intimate connection, but there's a part, I mean, it's kind of almost a little bit like what we're talking about with Erica. There's a part of me, it's like, you know, like back off, like watch out, like, like um it just feels kind of like um um not a total willingness to trust like it's hard <laughs> to trust it's hard to drop the guard mm. um and it's like and i that actually yeah there's something about dropping the guard so this is what i'll say zach um you know and maybe this will kind of weave things together with work too i mean my impression of you both just feeling you energetically but also of course like you know following you on instagram it's like you are some you I mean, look at what I'm, you make things happen. Like you've got a force of will in you. You are, you make it happen. (laughs) You make it happen, honey. Like that's kind of like the voice that comes through and it's great. It it drives success for you, but it's like, I feel it. I feel like the force of will. I feel the fighter and it's like, I'm going, 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 going. And so I, I do think actually like the two questions are connected. It's like when you talk about your inner work and I don't look, I think you're going to keep going towards success. So it's not like I think you're going to block yourself from succeeding. But if we're talking about like um, deepest capacity for success, and I would say not even just professionally, but like, you know, you strike me as someone you are clearly like spiritually um, inclined. And I think you have interests that are above and beyond just like material success. I think there is something about what it's going to mean for you to find the right places to like truly let your guard down because it almost kind of feels like I've made this happen by my force of will. And it's like, I almost like I overcame certain things and I sort of, it's not that I did this in spite of myself, but like I made it happen. I made, you know, I made new choices and it's almost like you want to leave that other part of you behind, but it's almost like, no, wait, there's, there's something there for you. Like there's something, there's something, it's almost like even hard to say the word. Like, like my whole body tenses are like gentler. There's something that's like, like tender. And um, it's like what it would mean for you. It's almost like, I mean, this is just me spitballing and I'll check with you in a second, but it's like, 
I feel like some earlier part of me like let myself down. And so I don't want to, I don't trust that part of me. I trust the part of me that like picked myself up, you know what I mean? And made this all happen. And, but it's almost like, and it's like a fear. It's like, if I, if I, if I sort of put this down, if I drop my guard, well, I mean, one, it's like where I could get hurt. Um, and yeah, like that guy, that boy over there, he let me down. He hurt me. He got me into trouble. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to go down that road again. Not sort of knowing there's actually, there's something there for you that feels like, yeah, connected to your heart. Does this make sense? Yes. Um, it's funny. Cause I feel like I've found myself in situations recently where people have kind of like, tried to they're like you're not letting your guard down you don't allow yourself to like fully be vulnerable um or just not even vulnerability because I feel like on a public platform I can be vulnerable but in on a more intimate level it's hard for me to let somebody in um to be fair I feel like the last five or six years um I mean listen I live in LA I work in the entertainment world that it's just like you get a lot of people that use you or, you know, if you in any sort of way, like when I love people, I have a very strong capacity to love and I will build my friends up and give and give and give so much of myself, not with an expectation of getting anything back, but just because I know how hard it is, especially in LA that like, I want to build people up and I will give so much of myself, but I will not allow anybody else to really be there for me. Um, And so I have felt some of that resistance from other people that they're like, why won't you just allow that to happen for yourself or let me in. And I'm just like, one, I want people to understand that like I've been so burned and backstabbed and fucked over in like ways that I haven't talked about over the last five years. Like some people know like some of my fallouts with like friends recently, but like I've trusted people and I've trusted guys and I've, you know, people that I loved that I thought would really still be such an important part of my life to this day that are not um, because they made choices that, you know, and I get it. People have their own ambitions or, you know, their own needs that need to be met or when they're going through something challenging, there's that scarcity mentality where they feel the need to protect themselves. So that loyalty isn't necessarily warranted to other people. Um, but I just, I feel like I've, I've been through it the past few years that I find myself tensing up a lot more and, and being resistant towards letting people in. I can be an incredible friend. I will go above and beyond for the people that I love, but I will take on all of my own shit because I know I can count on myself to get through my shit. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot here to say. You're kind of confirming everything I was feeling. I want to say to you, Zach, I actually feel for you um, in particular there it really is something around discernment. Like I, I don't, for me, this isn't like an invitation of like, you're supposed to walk around through the world with like your kind of most surrendered vulnerability available for everyone. And I actually feel like where it wants to live is specifically in intimate relationship. And so I feel like the way that you operate is great for your work. I feel like it's great for your business. I think it's great for... Um, like even navigating the world, because what I'm actually getting in this moment is that you're actually quite sensitive. And I think you take a lot in. So it actually, in some ways, feels like a good energetic shield for you if you're wielding it consciously. So there's a difference between like, 
uh, just sort of giving, giving, giving unconsciously and then sort of being burnt out versus I, I, I consciously discern with whom I share these sort of tender parts of me. And if you're not that person, like I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll give to you. I'm staying in control. This is how I consciously protect myself so that there's safety when I choose in the right situation, you know, who to open up to. But then what I also want to say about that is like, I, I want to say, and this comes up a lot of clients, but I want to say it to you. It feels like a really big deal for you to truly to really let someone in and receive. And like I said, it, it really does feel like, so even if your friends, for example, yeah. are like, oh, you know, Zach, why don't you just let your guard down? It's almost like the answer I feel is like, you know what, like I hear you and actually, this is actually a really huge deal for me. It's not easy for me just to like do it like that. No, I'll and- be honest, I don't want to let anybody in right now. I feel like the wall has come up and there's like a big ironclad lock and I don't know how or when I can bring that down. So if you have any advice for me, I would, I'm open to receiving that because I feel like that's probably the information that I need to receive right now because I don't want to continue that because I don't want to have that hardness to me. You know, I want to be able to let that guard down a little bit when I feel like I can, you know, do that. I just never want to do that. Um, I feel so this is why I also want to say it's like, so again, I, I'm always talking about in terms of pattern, I think we draw in situations that are energetically familiar to patterns that were set earlier on. That's how we hopefully sort of grow and evolve in these lifetimes is we have these opportunities to perhaps do things differently. So for me, even though I hear stuff happen in the last five years, I if we were really kind of exploring together, I'd start getting curious about like earlier in life. And I do feel like what I feel here gets disowned is that kind of like, it's almost like there needs to be space for that voice that is saying, fuck, no, I will never let my guard down and really understanding because it feels like there's a deep level of self-protective rage there, Uh, which by the way, uh, some people get self-conscious when I talk about anger, there's like a stigma around that. I don't, there's no... We all have anger. I think anger is great. Anger is healthy. So, you know, and when I feel powerful rage in someone, to me, that's a testament to you have a powerful life force. You have like powerful feelings that want to come through. So I feel it in you, Zach. Like there is a rage in there that is like, fuck no. And so I think for you, I would just start getting curious about just, yeah, the early places where you learn it is not safe for me to let my guard down, uh, the rage that wants to be seen and heard and witnessed, even if that's just in relationship to yourself at first, uh, because it's almost like, you know, I, I say this with people all the time, if there's a part of us that's saying no, you know, it's like you can't, it's like it's like trying to get someone who's scared of heights to get them to just like jump off a cliff. <laughs> like they're, Like, you're not gonna like just throw them off the cliff. They're gonna resist, like right. they need, space for their voice, for their fear to be heard. So if you, you in general, you, because there's so many people out here like this, if you have a voice in you that's like, fuck no, (laughs) I am not dropping my guard. It is not safe. Fuck you for trying to get in. That voice, it needs to be seen and heard. It's got something to say. 
And so I just kind of feel like I'd maybe if I were you, I'd almost like take the demand off yourself to be any different. Mm -hmm. I'd almost take the demand off to be in like loving relationship and maybe just start with um, really like if I take seriously this idea, there was some sort of like early experience around um, yeah, an experience of um, like getting her, I mean, I'm hearing the word betrayal actually, like being betrayed, um, like heart getting stomped on, um, what sort of really needs and wants to be seen and heard there. Um, and then moving really slowly. I just, I don't think this is like a quick, like, okay, the switch flip. Like, I really feel like, like there's, this is what I want to say. There's something in you that really needs slow, gentle care. Like whatever that is beneath the guard, it needs slow, gentle care. So I don't I don't know sort of what's going on with you and guys, what happens when you date, what happens when you get intimate. These are sort of, again, deeper conversations, perhaps for another time. But it's like, I just want to say like for you, I just wouldn't want you to rush into anything. And I'd want you to have time and space for two things in relationship to a guy. One, the part of you that will have your guard up and says, hey, just so you know, like I take my time, like it is really hard for me to trust. This is vulnerable for me. And then going really slowly with that vulnerable part of you. And I, I mean, do you want me to just say one last thing? Yeah. I mean, I think there's also something very specific around like physical intimacy and sexual intimacy and what it might mean for you to actually go slowly there <laughs> and to really take someone in there and to really receive there. Like, I want to say like not overriding it, not jumping into something. I mean, that's fine if you want to have quote unquote fun, but I feel for you, there's actually something, even though I'm saying it, my chest is bracing. There, there would be something about exploring what it would mean to really slow down there in relationship to a guy letting yourself receive slowly and intimately that I think might bring up a bunch of stuff in a, in a healthy way. Yeah, I also kind of feel like lately I've been a little more out of touch even with my own sexuality to the point where like I don't feel physically attractive. And I know that's weird when people say it and they think I'm fishing for compliments, but like that's just me being honest and like I'm not looking for compliments and saying that. So please nobody DM me being like, but you're pretty, whatever. I like I'm not saying that because I'm looking for any sort of validation. I'm just saying that that's where I'm at right now. And I feel like even when it comes to being physically intimate with anybody, like I feel like I have a hard time even going there right now and having any sort of physical intimacy because I just don't feel like I feel like I need to have a connection with somebody first right now, which is very different that I feel like has changed recently. Well, great. I love what you're saying because you're kind of confirming exactly what I'm saying, which is like, I feel this feeling for you, like you need intimacy and not to override that. And what I would say to you, because I hear you kind of asking, how do I explore this for myself? And so it's almost like, you know, what I always say to people, start with what's right here. So if I hear you saying, you know, I don't feel attractive and there's a part of me that's been staying away from intimacy. I might encourage you like dedicate time, sit down, start writing about that. What is it in you right now that's saying no to intimacy and why? In what way are you feeling unattractive? Just start letting yourself. Ex I feel like there's actually wisdom in these voices in you right now. Like what I hear you saying is like, there's something in me that doesn't want to do the usual thing. I'm feeling something in me emerge that wants sort of a deeper level of like connection with self and with other. It's probably why you're asking me these questions right now. And this is why the information is coming. Something in you is ready to like, you're getting confirmation 
of I think what your impulses have already been leading you toward. So I just kind of want to invite you to like trust this, slow the F down. There's no rush to get anywhere. And like I said, start with what's here. Start with that part of you that's saying, I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to rush into intimacy right now. And like I said, like, why? What's there? And I, I have a feeling that might start giving you hits on like what you actually want. And then that might start giving you hits on the voices in you that are scared to ask for what you want. But you just want to kind of undertake this as a path of exploration. And I, I guess what I hear you saying just as a reflection is that there is a part of you that's like, I am becoming aware very much so that there is something in me I'm protecting and I'm becoming aware that there's something in me that wants to find the right space and safety to like explore whatever it is I'm protecting. And what I, Jamie, am saying to you is like, it's not going to come from like a severe demand you have on yourself. It's not going to come from racing to the answer. It is going to come, I think, from like gentle care and giving space to both the rage and what's underneath the rage. So I think you're an exciting place of exploration, actually. I'm such a ball buster. I like to get right to the bottom. Like, tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do the work that I'm going to go to the gym this weekend and get it done. Well, that's what I was saying. So like, that's the connection to what I was saying at the beginning. Like you've got this driving force and I think yeah. there's a way it serves you, but I think there's a way it also skips over this other piece work. that like yeah. this little seedling of this thing that you're protecting. And so that's why I'm saying, I think the work for you right now is finding those ways and places to, you know, we could say drop the guard, slow down, not be in a rush. And by the way, that might enrage you, which is great. Sit down and write about that rage because that's part of the defense system that's in place right now. But what I want to tell, so what I'm saying is, I don't think there's anything wrong with the part of Zach that goes for it. I think it serves you well in many different ways. But if you're asking about the deeper level of unlocking and healing and sort of life and inner work, I think it's about dropping underneath that and finding that really sort of sort of gentle part of you that wants to receive that you're protecting and how to work with it. Does that all make sense? It does make sense. And I'm I'm glad that we, I really wanted to go into this conversation and talk about like, what is like my career going to look like and how do I work on that? But I think, I think in my gut, I know my career is fine. Work-wise, I'm fine. Everything is great and everything is continuing to blossom and flourish there. And like the area that I should be focused on. I worked hard enough on my career. It's fine. It's going. But I feel like the part of me that I need to work on is kind of like that inner personal piece. Well, again, and you understand, like, again, you're actually speaking to the very thing I'm talking about. Like, there's a part of you that just wants to, like, forge ahead with the thing. And that's that's the thing. I'm, I think it's time now. Like, you've got that covered. And like you're saying, yes, your career is going fine. It's always going to go fine. Now it's kind of about, like, what is that in you that just wants to drive, 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 drive? <laughs> yeah. Jamie, thank you. Where can people go if they want to book their own reading with you? Now that they've gotten an, a little insight into my own life. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're curious about my work, you can definitely check out my website, hollywoodreadings.com. 
and read more about it, you can email me there. And um, of course, follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. I do create a lot of Housewives-related content there. And also my podcast. I have a podcast, Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, as you mentioned up top. So I do deep, intuitive takes on all things Bravo, sometimes other pop culture items as well. You'll need to come back on next time. There's another big juicy scandal that we need to dissect. <laughs> My pleasure. I just just let me know and uh, I'll make it happen. Yes, guys, go subscribe to the podcast. Follow him on Instagram. He has really good Instagram reels that he puts out um, that are snippets of his podcast. So go and tune in. He did an episode recently on Kyle and Mauricio that like really gets into them individually in their relationship. And I thought it just, there was a lot of, of good takeaways that were in that reading, even though you were reading them, I think a lot of people found, were able to relate to a lot of those things, even in their own lives, which I think is so great about your podcast is that there are pieces that people can find in your coverage of these reality stars or these celebrities that I think people can relate to that I think also humanizes them and gives us as an audience a deeper appreciation for them. So guys, please. The, yeah, that's, that's ultimately my intention. It's like, let's use this to kind of like, you know, see our own humanity rather than like you were saying at the beginning, like teams, blame, pointing fingers, shaming people. It's like, this doesn't really get any of us anywhere. Yeah. And we're all human beings. So there's a reason why we watch these shows. It's humanity. Like we're all connected. Exactly. And it's like we can indulge in the celebrity pop culture fun of it while also having deep, real conversations. Exactly. So go yeah. listen to Jamie's podcast. Give him a follow. It's Jamie Stein. You guys can keep up with me at Just Plain Zach or follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach. And stay tuned, guys. New episodes coming soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.